Good afternoon, boys and girls. This is Travis Wallstein with uh, Airsurf Heating, Air Conditioning, Council Bluffs, and Wallstein Plumbing and Mechanical, also of Council Bluffs, Iowa, for this week's episode of Circle of Trades. So this week, uh, I had some conversations down at my corporate retreat um, down in Mexico, and they wanted to talk AI. And uh, I won't say he's an expert in AI, but he has some dealings with it in his professional life, so I wanted to bring him on. Harley J. Wallstein, uh, Amazon employee extraordinaire, also happens to be my son. How are you doing today, Harley? I'm good. I'm good. I would say uh, you don't need to bill me too high with my AI experience, but I'll admit to being a casual fan. I'm excited to talk about it today. That's good. So, uh, well, as you and me talked, and, and, you know, my limited knowledge on AI or artificial intelligence, correct me if I'm right or wrong, um, is becoming a bigger issue or I guess a bigger thing that's out there in trends uh, for social media, building ads, doing that kind of stuff. Um, and I know with you, with I'll go into detail some of the stuff you do with Amazon, it is something that you've had some experience or had some time working with. Um, so it, it's a discussion I think a lot of people don't understand it. Um, maybe the younger people don't. Uh, maybe the younger people do. I don't know if the older people do, if you know what I'm saying. So I'm curious to learn to kind of get your insight with what you do day to day and what your opinion is of AI. Mm -hmm. So I think it's first interesting to take a step back and talk about what some of the theoretical goals are of building AI and where we're at in relation to those goals. So you maybe would think back to some earlier science fiction literature, maybe Isaac and uh, Asimov, Android's Dream of Electric Sheep, fully sentient, fully conscious robots that are as smart, if not smarter than human people. That's the idea of perhaps general AI or an AI that just like a human person can see information, collect it, understand it, build ideas, have creativity. The, the things that we used to understand a person as like a conscious and capable person. And that is something that people are trying to do just because then you could have an AI do your project or write your symphony or whatever. And it's, so these are all interesting and naughty goals with actually lots of interesting and perhaps open questions about like, how does that work? Is that something that's copyrightable? Is AI a person? So there are, there are lots of interesting and open questions that there are many, many people, many pointy-haired academics that are, that are trying to figure these things out. But in a lot of ways, we're still pretty far away from that, this concept of a general AI. And when you're seeing things in the news talking about AI, you're probably hearing about something that is more purpose-specific. So mm -hmm. one of the things that we're hearing about currently is ChatGPT or yeah. Google's BARD or things of that nature. And these are what we call large language models. And this sure. is specifically an AI. And when, I, when I'm talking about these, I mean purpose-specific programs because we don't have that general AI intelligence. We have specific programs that are able to do some subset of what we would like AI to be or like AI to do. And so that's pretty much the state of the art right now is we know how to solve certain problems or how to use computers 
and AI or specifically and sufficiently trained models to solve these problems. So it could be a thing like this large language model where you have a huge body of text, such as perhaps a majority of the text of the internet. And you run that through the model and that model, it sees millions or billions of lines of other humans talking to each other. Now, does it understand that? It's this really not clear, and that's uh, a moving definition, or that's a moving target based on what you mean by understand and what it, it means to do, uh, what, what one might do with information they understand. But a, a large language model, it knows how humans talk to each other, and it's able to use that and seemingly interpret prompts that we give it, such as when you're talking to the prompt in ChatGPT, which is sort of like an IM text window where you ask ChatGPT questions and it will attempt to give you responses. But it's just seen millions or billions of, of lines of humans interacting with each other online. And it knows how to sort of do that. It knows that it, when it sees a prompt like, tell me the weather, it has seen other humans online have conversations like that. And it so can give you a facsimile, an answer that it thinks would be reasonable for a human responding to that question. And so this is a pretty, gonna be a hallmark of what we see with other large language models, is there's not really that spark of understanding that would turn it into Gen AI, but there is a specific method of solving a problem using computers that maybe will reflect at a high level how a human might understand it, uh, such as, so in this example of large language models, they're just looking at large volumes of text. But another type of AI that's popular is neural networks, which okay. works similarly to how your brain works, hence the name neural network. And the idea there is we have this computer concept called I, I'm not familiar with the specific term, but that we can model uh, sending information through a network the same way it would pass through a set of neurons in your brain. And the same way when uh, your neurons fire in your brain, when they are working on a pattern or problem they recognize, we can get this neural network to do similar things. And so these have been a type of AI that have been popular for working on image type problems. Like mm. say, for example, you are trying to build a neural network for classification, build an AI for classification. Say I have 100,000 photos and I want you to tell me which ones have traffic cones in them or which ones have a person with blonde hair or which ones yeah. have... I hate them, by the way. But yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> and in truth, that's actually an interesting example of Google using the power of real human people to train its model because at the scales that these large companies are working at that are building these AIs, what they need to do is they need to pass their AI models good input to train it. So say mm. you wanted to build an AI that did something like this, what you might do is you might say, okay, I have a thousand images total. Let me look at a hundred of these images in detail and say, I will continue to use the traffic cone example. So we could say, uh, of my 100 training images, 10 of them have the traffic cone and 90 don't. I've mm -hmm. successfully manually reviewed them and classified them and say, these do, these do not. So I can train my neural network on that, which is just running the program and telling it, this is what we want, this is what we don't want. And it will self-modify its, its rep, uh, excuse me, its model of the neural, rep, uh, neural network until it, is sufficiently accurate at differentiating between these two 
And then you can then run your other images on it, and it will look at them as well and say, oh, based on my current model, as I've been trained on my training data, I am looking at these new images, and I can say with X level of confidence that some of these images do have a traffic cone and some of these don't. And so this is the level at which a lot of people are working with these. And going back to you were talking, or rather I mentioned Google, and you were talking about that. That is Google's reCAPTCHA service, which is a way of making sure you are a real human person. (laughs) And one of the interesting things they do is they will use that information to train models, or it seems that that's what they're doing. So they're having you, a human person, uh, give to them well-categorized data where you said, actually, this does have a traffic cone in this image. This does have X, Y, Z. You're giving them free training data, so they are rather outsourcing that to you to improve their models and things of that nature. So what you're saying is they're using me as a guinea pig. I just don't know it. They're trying to, and actually, they're making you pay for the service. People have to pay (laughs) to reuse CAPTCHA. Fantastic. Oh my! Oh my lord! So uh, um, now I, I, you can't go to specifics about what you do day to day at Amazon, but you're working on stuff two years into the future. Um, is there a lot of AI that you use in your day to day as far as function? I know as Amazon being a technology, yeah, they sell boxes, they sell stuff, but they're into, they're into wireless. There's so into so much different stuff. Is it something you're seeing a lot of in your day-to-day um, function as far as doing business, as mm-hmm. far as work goes? So it depends on who you are and what you're doing. I can't speak to using AI a ton in my work just because I think, contractually, I'm not allowed to. But in but truth, the, the, things I'm, trouble. <laughs> <laughs> the, the things I'm working on are less AI-involved but uh, let's, uh, there are some common problems that retail companies might experience where AI is doing a lot to help. That might be things like customer reviews. AI mm-hmm. programs, for example, they can be trained to identify sentiment. So you can show a bunch of text written by humans to an AI, uh, or perhaps a neural network model, what, what have you, in terms of the specific way you want to build and represent your AI. And you can say, these are messages that people say when they're happy, or these are specific keywords, etc. You You just bin your content into different groups. You could say, this is happy content, this is neutral content, this is actively unhappy or hateful content, and you can train your AI on that. And it will, in the same way that a human might, after looking at this data, identify key markers that differentiate text. Like mm-hmm. a, an AI model, it probably wouldn't spit this out in a way that you could just see a list like this. But an AI model trained on human review text might see uh, words like ugly or bad fit or wrong size in a review and maybe associate that with negative sentiment. Or mm-hmm. it might see beautiful or I loved it or, or different text in positive review sentiment. And it can use that to organize reviews and show to the customer positive or negative reviews. And obviously there are other indicators like star level, but this maybe is a an input that could be used for identifying fraudulent or fake reviews, such yeah. as, uh, I, I know this is a project that has been worked on where say you're reviewing a, a product that is a, a women's dress on Amazon. If the review text mentions motor oil or it mentions 
uh, car parts or something. It mentions something that's unrelated. You maybe have a, a review bot that's sending wrong review data that's not related to this product, or you maybe mm -hmm. have things of that nature. So this is an example of a problem where it could, uh, AI could be used to expand the level of ability that you have to deal with large scale human input. And that's really where the value of AI is, is uh, for a large corporation like Amazon or Walmart, they have thousands and thousands of products and each one of those might get tens or hundreds of reviews. The, the mechanics of getting real people to review those are just not there. Mm -hmm. and, and so AI is a way to force multiply and solve this problem. You can train on a small subset of data and then you can use that to solve a larger problem in a way that is statistically likely to be correct based on how well you trained it. But this is where we get into some of the dangers and some of the issues that people talk about when they like to talk about how AI can be dangerous. Say, for example, yeah. your training data is bad. Or, or go ahead. I, I like to talk, so well, you're going to have to interrupt. Well, no, no. You know what? And this is the thing. And, I, and I'm not getting political when I say when I say this here. There was one, and this was up came on my conference. There was a, a meme or something on Twitter to where it was uh, uh, Donald Trump and Joe Biden, like they were seven year old old fuggy fuggy drinking buddies that hung out together and drank coffee and did puzzles and did all this stuff all the time. And we know it's not happening. Okay, it, you know it is what it is. But if you read the AI, the perception of it, it's like they're best friends. You know, and, and so you know my, my concern from a of a business or an employment perspective is, you know, what what's to stop, you know, it, malicious people from going out. And this is my concern with the AI. You know, obviously we got businesses we're running, or me personally, which listen, I do my own damage. It is what it is. Um, but you know, if I have a business and I'm running it. And let's say, uh, you know, somebody wants to develop some contact that's maybe negative to my business or negative to me personally, um, it'd be construed to say something that I really didn't. That's my concern with it. I think as far as a positive, if you're trying to use it as a positive, I think it'd be great. But my concern is what if they do put, put something that's negative? It maybe wasn't something I said or did, but because of the learning characteristic, it has this ability. And how do you, you know, besides monitoring it daily, how do how do you how do you handle that? How do you um, how do you watch out for that? Does does that make sense? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So in that situation, you're you're touching on a few different things. One of which is, do people have the technology to do something like that? And the answer is yes. Some of the words that you might see in the news to describe this is called deep fakes or deep faking technology. And we were talking about AI models. These are specifically AI models that are trained on video inputs or image inputs, and they're able to use them to do lots of different things. Maybe make a blurry image less blurry based on what it thinks the original might have been. Maybe mm. it is generate fake content based on input data, such as uh, you could input a bunch of pictures of a, a very prominent person like a president and have the AI generate a model of what they think that person looks like and then use that to, to generate fake media of them. And that could be, as I mentioned, images, video, it could be audio. And this is actually something that's very current, very in the news, because this technology was used recently in light of this being an election year coming up on the 2024 presidential election 
there were some ads run in the last few weeks that were using an AI-generated version of Joseph Biden's voice, running ads as if Joseph were calling the American people with content that he did not necessarily say. Yeah. And, and this, this really touches on the, the exact fear you're speaking on. Is and it happens on both sides, by the way. This isn't one part. It happens on both sides. It's called Exactly, forward. exactly. This was just, it, this happened to be in the news recently. And the there was an election panel that was, I, I don't know if they were petitioned or someone's filing a lawsuit or what, where they're saying this, the public does not have the tools to differentiate this fake content from real content. It's becoming sufficiently lifelike that we need consumer protections to help avoid things like this. Mm -hmm. And the unfortunate reality is that uh, aside from strictly calling it illegal and just saying you can't do that, the mechanisms of stopping something like this are rather difficult because the technology is out there and it's not actually especially difficult for someone who's sufficiently familiar with programming and AI, but that's a growing field. There, there's lots of information on how to generate images, how to generate this and that. And so I think the average business owner, they probably don't need to be super worried about someone generating fake content content on them. It still takes Time. It still takes investment of resources and knowledge. So it's it's not something that every every small business owner is going to have fake Facebook ads showing up for them. But it's interesting to be aware of when content like this is coming out. It makes you question what you see in the news, what you see in a fake news article. Is that really a picture of? I don't know. I, I don't I don't have a good hypothetical example. It, it just makes you question whether or not the media you're seeing is real because the technology to generate these defects and to test for and identify these defects, they're developing alongside each other. So mm -hmm. one will we'll leapfrog forward, will generate a new type of defake content that is undetectable, existing models can't detect it. And then we will leapfrog in our detection technology where we'll see, oh, this looks like it actually was generated by an AI. Like the structure of these pixels look fake and look AI generated. And it's, mm -hmm. it's things like that where we're getting really into the technical model of how AIs work and how mm -hmm. generating things like this work. And that's part of why it's, it's difficult to discuss over a larger audience is oh, yeah. these, are, these are getting into really technical details of content that, as we're seeing, the outputs of this are broadly applicable. You could generate that content and then have it robocall and call 100,000 Americans. Well, and that brings up another point I was just going to bring up. Uh, the state of Iowa had just passed it. I guess it, it's going through the legislature right now uh, to where they're outlawing uh, robocalls from AI from from mm -hmm. AI bots. It's like, okay, great. But how are you going to enforce that? I, I mean, so, you know, it is like the telephone call center. You just go slap your hand and say, stop. I mean, you know, and, and so the law is there. So who's... How's that going to be enforced? And if it's somebody calling from outside the United States, how are you going to enforce it? And so, like I said, it's a slippery slope. It is it, it, at so many different levels, and it's it's whatever. Um, do you see it kind of from what you? I mean, from where you're at, and and, and you know what could it become its own industry? To me, it's almost acts like as it evolves, it could become its own. And it's, and I, some people said take over marketing. I said, I don't think it'll take over marketing, 
but I think it could be a tool that's definitely used in the marketing point, if not be its own industry. Do you, mm-hmm. I mean, do you see that or do you not see that as being a possibility? So there are some trends that reflect that. And I think we've spoken to that a little bit where AI content or AI models, they're able to generate lots of content, but they're not necessarily able to moderate and figure out what's correct. They're, they're not a real human. They don't know what real humans necessarily will resonate with or believe. So mm-hmm. some examples of where AI has been used in the specific case of marketing would be like chat GPT. It yeah. does, it's ingested lots of data from Twitter or from news headlines or different things like that. And so you might go to ChatGPT and say, I write a blog about finance. Give me 100 funny and relatable finance tweets. And you could look at those and see maybe only 30 of them are good. But in yeah. five minutes, you made 30 great tweets. That might be a full day's work. And you <laughs> didn't have to do anything to do it. Yeah. So doing it with AI, you don't need a degree. You don't need whatever. If you've got a computer and are a little bit tech savvy, anybody can get in and play around with us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, you know, if it's going to be a career, it's probably a little bit different story. You get to work with somebody or met with somebody, but this is something where you don't need a degree with to, to learn the basics and understand it. And, and for lack of a word, play with it and explore it. Is that a fair statement? So there are are different levels of engagement with the AI that's out there. So we're getting to a point where really polished, really consumer-friendly tools are out there. I'm thinking specifically of these large language models, this chat GBT, the, the things of that nature, where they're designed for the masses. Those are going to keep proliferating and getting better. And they are... They're, they're really good for like content creation or there's one, the name escapes me. There's this good for like AI art gen- generation, image generation, things like that aren't going to go away and they're just going to continue to get better and more sophisticated. So people can use things like that, but using these models and it, developing a skill for how to give them the right prompts and things like that, that's interesting, but that is different from building the models. So there are different levels of, of skill there. If you're getting into something really fancy, say for example, you were using the example of deep fake content that spoofs you as as a private person, as a business owner. And now Mm -hmm. if I was gonna do that, that's a more technical prospect. I might need to be actually building an AI. So getting into the nitty gritty of what are the underlying tools that AI researchers use to make these models? How do we train them? What things like that? Those are really interesting technical questions and engineering questions that people get whole degrees and whole PhDs in. So mm-hmm. as much as someone wants to specialize, there's information out there. But thanks to the proliferation of this technology, more people who just want to casually step their foot in, maybe write some Facebook posts for their business or just generate content, uh, ask ChatGBT to give you ideas for your next marketing theme or things of that nature that's out there. And it's a it's a resource that people are figuring out how to engage with still. So mm-hmm. I, I think there's a lot of opportunity, both both really good and really bad for how we can integrate it into society more. Yeah, well, like I, the discussion that came out when I was down in uh, uh, conference down in Mexico and they talked about is you have to know about it. And I think you gotta spend some time and learn and do some reading. 
And, you know, it, it, you, you can't, if you're scared of it, the best thing you can do is learn about it. And it doesn't mean you're going to be an expert with it, but what it does mean is that uh, you can at least get a base understanding for what it is and understand there's a lot of facets to it. Um, you, you know, and, and I think, and what kind of brought me up to the conversation with you, and I think about when we came out a year ago, we went to the, the Amazon grocery store. You know, they got all the cameras and all that. And, and I don't know how much AI is actually in, involved with that, but I got to believe with the cameras and all that, it you, they have to be tracking purchases and, and different mm. stuff. And they can analyze data through the cameras and they can probably do it a lot faster with AI than they can through someone sitting there manually figuring that out. 100%. That That's actually a, a really good example of lots of different small AI tools that have been purpose-built and purpose-improved to work together to create that experience. So if you'll let me, I'll, I'll walk us through or we'll walk our listeners through some of the things that make that work. Absolutely. I, I, I'm, I'm all ears. So so what you're, I think, talking about is an experience. Uh, you were visiting me in Seattle, where I live, and we went to Amazon Go, which is one of Amazon's retail stores, and it features what's called Just Walk Out technology. So someone who's walking in to this store, they might go up to a kiosk. There are little gates at the entrance to the store. And what you will do is you will scan either your palm, if you've already registered, or you can open your Amazon app, there's a QR code, and you will scan that. And so when you do that and you walk through the turnstile, there are cameras in the store. They saw you when you walked in. And so these are AI models they know you're a human person. They, these yep. are AI models. They've been trained on video. They know what it looks like for a person to walk around in a store. They have been trained on things like recognizing where your shoulders are, where your elbows and hands are, seeing when you reach out and grab something on the shelf. They, yep. These are very purpose-specific AIs. They know what it looks like for a human to move in a space. And they know what the spaces they're in look like uh, because these things have been designed to do that. And in this way, Amazon sees you walk in and their AI knows, oh, one person walked in. They scanned their Amazon badge, so or, excuse me, their Amazon QR code. So I can see that customer John Doe just walked in. I have his credit card information. I have the information about him. Now let's watch him walk around the store. Oh, I can see he walked up to the produce shelf and he grabbed something off of where the apples should be. It looks like he grabbed one apple. And the AI has been sufficiently trained. It knows where the apples are. It maybe knows what an apple looks like and is able to see this person walking up, grabbing that apple. It knows they're John Doe. So this person, they walk around, maybe they grab other purchases and they go to the exits turnstile and they leave. And at no point did they go to a cashier, did they check out? they used Amazon's Just Walkout technology, which is this complicated sets of AIs working together to track you in that space and see what you're picking up. And as I mentioned, it, it sees you interacting with the shelf. It maybe even sees you picking up that apple, looking at it, putting it back down. That's something that this AI has been trying to do very accurately. And it does. I, I've used this. I personally work in an office building that's directly above an Amazon Go. So I, I use and test this technology on the regular. And it's, and it's an example of an excellent customer service experience, excuse me, an excellent customer experience in general. And it highlights what, when you develop the different tools for using AI, 
how they can work together to create an experience that's so much larger than the individual components. And, and you know, the funniest part about this, when you walk out that store, out of that store, if you got set for email or text or whatever, it'll send you a receipt for what it was that you bought right there in a the spot. So if you're worried about the receipt or question, it's right there. You can't miss it. So it's kind of like, oh, this is cool. <laughs> exactly. And this... This opens the question, you, you were wondering about how AI will change how we interact with people. I mean, think of, for example, shopping in a large grocery store, a Walmart, a QFC, a Kroger. I, people enjoy shopping as, as much as anyone can enjoy shopping, but people don't necessarily love the checkout line. You have to wait in line, you need to ring everything up, etc., etc. It's a tedious part of the experience. And Amazon was, through these engineering efforts, able to entirely remove that process. You don't have to check out. And that's that's better for the customer. It's faster. It's a nicer experience. It's maybe better for Amazon's bottom line. When you're not seeing that register, you're not saying, oops, that thing I grabbed was actually $15. Oops, that thing was too. You're maybe not seeing how high that registry, uh, excuse me, register bill is, is running up. So it's I, it creates an experience that seems to be a win for both parties. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, and that's the thing. And, and that technology didn't happen overnight, but I think as it gets more advanced, more people get into it, you're going to see more and more of it. So you either, you can be scared of it or you can embrace it. So it's kind of whatever a person wants to do with it. But the technology's there. Um, and, and like I said, so, you know, I, like I said, I, I think it goes back to the end of the day, you know, if people want to know more about, they need to spend some time in read, learn, and here's the other, what you read today will be old six months from now. We all know that, but you got to start somewhere, you, you know, mm -hmm. um, but, uh, but it's, it's, it's not going away. Um, it, it's going to continue to be here. And, and I think you have to, you know, enjoy. And I think if you're young, and I don't know how much they spend in high schools. I'd be really curious to talk to somebody at a high school level to see what they're, you know, how much time they're spending with it. But I got to believe in an exploratory, if you're, Google or Amazon or even like a community college, if you want to promote your technology program, but this is something, it's a starting point, you know, if it's something that's a career path that you want to go with. So, uh, um, you know, but, uh, yeah, it was an interesting discussion. And like I said, yeah, when it was done, I brought up the, the store and, and like I said, the little bit that I know about what you do. And that's what I wanted to bring you on because it was, I mean, there was, uh, there was like 30 tables at this conference and this was by far the number one conversation with it. And so it's like, you know, and even today's conversation, it's just one little piece to what's out there. You, you know, it, and it, it's cool. Yeah, you know, us old us old people, I guess I, I since I'm 50 now, I call myself old. Um, you know, it, it isn't like it isn't like it was 30 years ago, but you know, you either you either embrace it or you don't embrace it. So, uh, mm -hmm. um, but uh, so I, so go ahead. I was gonna say, really, I as you were saying, this this speaks to a interesting story about the origin of artificial intelligence research. Because mm -hmm. computers are a new technology, they were really coming to their own in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, and the actual first artificial intelligence project was, I believe, at Carnegie Mellon in the 60s. It was a summer graduate research program. They were trying to do something with computer vision, which you'll notice we really have only come into with successful AIs for doing some of these tasks in maybe the last 10 or 15 years, so the 2010s, 2020s. 
so this started as a summer research project at Carnegie Mellon by a few PhD students. And the assumption was, yeah, we'll, we'll get it done. About three months, that should just open and shut case, fix the whole thing. And, and we'll notice 60 years later, we'll, we're still working on it. Hey, I remember by, by, I, we got the $600 tax credit in 2000. And that's how I bought, that's how me and your mom bought our first, De I believe it was a Dell computer is what we bought. Because it cost like $695, we had the money to pay for it. And we had, I had my first cell phone late 90s early 2000s and you think god this stuff's been around for years because everybody's got multiple computers everybody's got cell phones and tablets and shit 30 years ago they'd be like what the hell is this you know so uh it you know if you think about the you know they the biggest thing they talked about paper going away here's the deal people paper ain't going away paper's still here because people like to have written documentation i think it's just added um I think it's added to the uh, whole process as far as that goes. So, mm. but uh, so anyway, well, before I let you go, anything exciting going on in, in Washington state? Uh, um, I know it's February, so it's cold and the weather's kind of miserable there that time of year, but uh, any fun stuff for anybody who might be going out to, to Washington here in the next couple months then? Well, Washington, we, we've got this wonderful El Nino winter. It's actually sunny and I believe 50 degrees right now on, Feb in, on a beautiful February afternoon. So uh, unseasonably warm for what it is, or rather it's not raining yet today. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> but so. uh, we're, we're very lucky to have a nice mild winter this winter. And uh, for anyone considering visiting Seattle, I would recommend, I would maybe rec recommend waiting until the summer. It's sort of one of the worst kept secrets of the Pacific Northwest, but uh, any and every excuse to visit Seattle in the summer is a good excuse. Yeah. February in Seattle sucks. I hate to <laughs> You told us we came anyway, so, but it is what it is, so, so. Well, Harley, I, I know this is just a small piece of what it was, but I knew you had some experience with it, and it's an opportunity. You know, if you're a young person looking to want to get into it, that's, I mean, this is what kind of circles back to, um, to hear people have some experience, and, and maybe it opens up somebody's mind. Is it necessarily like a trade like carpentry or HVAC, but it's a much-needed thing that's out there, I, I think. So anything that gets people to look at something maybe outside the box a little bit and see what could affect – and if you're going to get into that into the trades business, how this stuff could affect your business positively and negatively because, I mean, I, I think it affects everybody in mm -hmm. all walks of life. So, uh, mm -hmm. um, so, so I, I appreciate your time and, and your input with it. And uh, – um, like I said, uh, I'm not pretending to be an expert on this, but I think the biggest thing is go out, do your research. Um, if you feel comfortable, go play with it a little bit. Like you talked about chat and GPT, a few other things there's, you go out on Google, type it up. I'm sure there's 27 different things you can find on it. So. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And like you'd said, it's a developing science. People are talking about it and we're just going to see more of these large corporations building these tools where they, they figure out the science, they get the PhDs in a room, and then once they have a sufficiently generally useful tool, it suddenly comes on the market for the layperson to use and to incorporate into their business, into their personal life, into the way they get things done. So people just should maybe not plan on it taking over their whole job, but maybe keep an eye on it as resources come out. And 
uh, just be aware of what's out there for personal safety in terms of deepfakes, but in terms of staying up to date and, and making sure you're using all the tools that are available to you. Yep, sounds great. Well, Harley, I know it's Saturday. I know you've got stuff to do today, like put dash cams in your car. Not that you drive it anywhere, but, uh, and I got to clean my shop for a Christmas party next week, but uh, appreciate you taking some time today. And I'm sure we'll have you on again soon for some of, some of your wisdom and knowledge. I look forward to it. Yep, and for Circle of Trades, I'm Travis Wallstein, and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you.